If you haven't been here for the past three weeks, I've mentioned that we might be talking about a very sensitive topic, um, and we're going to fulfill that today, um, because there was a bill that was passed uh, in New York, which happens to be across the street to us. Um, we actually have a view of the World Trade Center that celebrated the bill, um, and, and, it, and it breaks our hearts, this abortion bill. It breaks our hearts as humans, not as, not as political affiliates. Uh, it doesn't break our hearts as someone who vote a certain color. It breaks our hearts as two humans who have loved women and children uh, in an environment that's trying to minister to them. Uh, we know the pain that they go through, uh, Anne more than myself. Um, this is my wife, if you don't know. Anne more than myself. Uh, she has worked in this field for, for most of her adult career uh, life. So, so we, th- this kind of breaks our heart on a, on a different level. And so I figured let's, let's get an expert up here to talk about this with me. And let's talk about how Jesus feels about this. It's not okay that the church be silent. It's just not okay. It's not okay when something sensitive comes up, something painful comes up, and we either sit there in silence or we sit in a judgment seat somewhere. It's just not okay. No, no one's going to see us as a voice if we don't represent our voice when the time comes for our voice to be represented, okay? So we, we honestly, we know that we're in a, a, a more liberal part of the country. Uh, we know that we're in a more democratic part of the country. We know what people are voting me and, and my wife, we don't care. Okay? What we care about is what, how Jesus feels. And we know that our heart breaks on this topic. Okay? So we decided let's take 20 minutes today. Uh, as you can see, we're a little bit passionate about the thing. So I'm going to just, just reel it in, Justin. Reel it in. All right? We're going to take 20 minutes to talk about how we feel God's heart feels on the topic. Is that okay with you guys? Okay, yeah. So, okay, a couple people. Yeah, that's all right. Everybody else, you, you got 20 minutes, so you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Um, I, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Obviously, you're okay with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I, I would not. Let's, let's put, yeah. I would definitely not say that I'm an expert, so let's just start right. with that. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, and you also had no sleep last night. Okay, so we'll just leave that there, too. So just no sleep. Just put going up on stage. That's how, that's how she rolls. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> um, why, why is it important for the church to talk about this? Yeah, I think that the church needs to be the safest place to talk about this issue. And I think before we say anything else, um, I think it's really important for us to um, just say to anybody who has had an abortion, um, who has paid for an abortion, who has advised someone to get an abortion, that um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if it is Um, something that was forced on you, something that you um, chose because you felt like you had no choice or um, you were in a place where you felt stuck, whatever reason it is, I feel like um, we want you to know, and more importantly, God wants you to know that there is nothing that can separate you from his love, not abortion, nothing. And so I think that... um, before we go on, that uh, I really want the women in the room and the men in the room to know that and to feel that and to really, truly, truly feel that um, God's heart is not, um, like you said, this uh, heart of judgment and anger. um, And um, we'll talk more about like what his heart is for the actual um, uh, newborn. But like for the women who have um, found themselves in this position, it's just it's so important that you know that you are loved by God and you are forgiven and there is redemption and there is healing and there is so much that God has in store for you. Yeah. Are, are you seeing the church 
um, not take that position? Is that why you need to say that from the beginning? Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, the reason why we need to take a stand is because if we, um, as Bible-believing Christians who feel like we know the heart of God and we know the word of God, if we don't talk, then either people are only going to hear um, the voices, the very loud voices of those that are pro-choice or the very loud voices, sometimes even louder voices of those who are, um, you know, screaming judgment and um, condemnation over um, women who have found themselves in this position um, without really stopping to think about, like, God's heart for them. Yeah. So I think that if we don't, if we don't talk, then they're not going to hear God's heart. Yeah. And God's heart is not going to be represented. Yeah. I feel like uh, not even just on this topic, but on topics of homosexuality, uh, identity, uh, the church takes this stand uh, and, and it's a stance of judgment when I, I feel like you don't have to lose your stance, but your love can grow at the same time. And the only way your love grows without losing your stance is by being with people, is by befriending people who are in this context sitting down with people, hearing their pain and their story, instead of standing at a distance or on Facebook or on some social media outlet and just saying, this is what we think about you. Let me just condemn an entire group of people without ever sitting down with someone, without ever loving somebody. Like, you're, you can have a stance. It's good to have a stance. It's good to have a biblical, godly stance from the heart of God, but also have love that, that, that grows with it, that morphs with it, so that this person is unquestionable about your, about your love for them, as well as your stance in, in the gospel and, and who Jesus is. And so, um, yeah, th- th- thank you for that. So, um, we, want, we want to take a stance as a, as a church, and, and our stance as a church, is not what, what side of the aisle you stand on. Our stance as a church is, what does Jesus say? How does Jesus love? It's so easy to get caught up. I, I know I'm, I'm not supposed to be preaching, boo. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up in, I'm on this side, I'm on that side. Uh, I, I'm reading all these articles. I'm reading only one side of this. And, and now I'm debating with someone, and now, now I'm getting further entrenched in my position. And, and no, no, nowhere along the way did I consult the heart of God, who Jesus is, what the gospel says, uh, what Jesus did when he sat with tax collectors, when he sat with prostitutes. No, nowhere am I consulting that. I'm just taking a seat of judgment on that. Okay, So, so that, that's kind of hard as the church. It, it's giving off this vibe that we don't love, we just judge. We don't serve, we just judge. Uh, we, we take positions of judgment. Uh, when really God is the judge, uh, if you want to add anything onto that. Yeah, and I think um, on the other side of that, of course, like talking about it with care and sensitivity and love and knowing that, you know, there are things that we have done that is in the same, in God's yes. eyes, is in the same um, category. This week. Um, exactly. Maybe, you know, maybe even this morning. And mm-hmm. so just knowing um, that we're, you know, all in the same playing field before God's eyes. Um, but also knowing that since um, 1967, that there have been 9 million abortions um, uh, that have, um, ter- uh, pregnancies terminated abortions that have gone on here in the United States. And I think that that number is, um, it makes me really um, passionately believe that we have to take a stance and not be ashamed that we are pro-life and that um, we do um, believe and want to share what we know is God's definition of life and God's intentions of right. life. 
Um, and I love this um, Gospel Coalition um, quote. It says that um, abortion is a reverse image of the Gospel. The Gospel says, I die for you, but abortion says, you die for me. Um, and to me, abortion says that you only, unborn babies only have value as expendable commodities. So if they're not convenient, if they're, um, they have disabilities, then they're expendable, then they're not valuable. When we know that, um, you know, God tells us in Psalm 139, and we're going to talk about it later, that um, we are his, you know, pri he, he formed us in our mother's womb before even one thought came, one of our thoughts came to be, and um, our, our days were ordained for us before any of them came to be. And so I feel like um, where abortion also says that um, your disability lib limits you, I feel like the gospel says that, and we believe this, don't we, that God's glory and his grace is revealed, especially in our weaknesses. Yeah, so that good. means um, even physical lim limitations. And so I feel like um, abortion is just so the reverse um, idea of what the gospel is, and that is the foundation of our faith. Right. Um, and the other reason why I think that um, abortion is, something we should talk about in the church is because it's not only happening in unchurched communities. Um, according to Karen, at more than four in 10 women who have had an abortion, they were churchgoers when they were pregnant. Um, only 7%, this is like crazy to me, only 7% of women that have had abortions discussed um, in the church have discussed it with anyone in the church. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's astounding to me. And um, here's another one. 65% of people who have had abortions profess to be Christians. And 43% of um, those who have had abortions said that they were regular churchgoers, either Protestant or Catholic. Um, Abby Johnson, there's a movie that's coming out about her called Unplanned. So she's a Planned, uh, planned, pa planned Parenthood worker who um, she claims to be responsible for selling the abortion of 20,000 pregnancies. Um, and she, so, um, she uh, found Christ, gave her life to Christ, realized that they were, these were lives that she was um, helping to abort. She said that in her testimony that Christian women are the easiest women to sell abortions to because they have the most to lose. And so I read that and I'm like, wow. <laughs> That, so um, in Michigan, I uh, worked for a pregnancy center um, where after I, I read these statistics, I'm like, man, we have to start talking about um, sex and sexuality in the church. We have to talk about things yeah. like abortion. Like it can't be a taboo thing. It has, we, the church has to provide a safe place to um, bring to light what God's design is and what his intentions is. Because if it's not the church, then like where is it going to be? Um, and so, yeah, because of all these reasons, I feel like it's really important for us to have this conversation. Can you explain some, some more of your experience and explain to people what a pregnancy center is because there seems to be, you know, uh, some confusion about that. But explain, so explain that and then explain some of your experiences in sitting down with these women who are broken. Yeah, so the um, uh, crisis pregnancy centers are a place where women can go who um, might not have insurance or might not um, want anybody to know that they're pregnant. Um, so the crisis pregnancy centers have um, uh, what's called um, advocates, and they are trained counselors to walk women through 
um, how they're feeling, uh, walk women through um, uh, some of their fears and give them resources because it's, it's a lot of the women are not just coming for that. They're coming because maybe they're homeless or they need food. Um, so it's it's a or place where po they're post-abortive as well, right? They come, right, or they're, they're post-abortive. So it's a very uh, holistic place where you can find um, holistic um, resources for holistic healing. And so um, my job, the the other um, people that are employed at a pregnancy center are nurses or sonographers um, or doctors. And what we do, what I did was. Um, we did ultrasounds for women who were might not have had insurance or were not sure if they um, wanted to carry. So we would do ultrasounds for them to um, because if you're going to have a, an abortion, you have to know how far along you are. Um, there have been clinics where they just they don't tell you how far along you are and they just kind of guess. Um, and so um, what we do is we let you know how far along you are, let you know. Um, what to expect if you d uh, go to an abortion clinic at that stage, what kind of care you're, um, you should expect to receive. Um, and also, um, we remind you that, um, you, you, that abortion is not the only choice. Because I think, I think one of the misconceptions is that um, pro-lifers want to take away the choice of the women or like the women in crisis pregnancy centers want to take away a woman's choice. But what we do, what I do, I can speak for myself, is to let a woman know that you don't, it, you have more choices than just to abort. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I, I came, I started working for the, the crisis pregnancy center thinking like, I'm gonna save babies and I'm gonna change people's lives. And, I'm, and like really, they, these women like have changed my life like forever mm -hmm. because sitting with them, I mean, they're sitting in, and they're vulnerable. I mean, they're physically vulnerable because they're exposed physically like at the exam table um, before I'm gonna do the ultrasound on them and they're, they're emotionally, they're exposed, you know? They're in this place of crisis. Um, even though I'm a stranger, they're telling me their whole life story. I mean, uh, and what I feel at that moment is not judgment. <laughs> and I could tell you what I feel that God feels for them is not judgment, it's not anger, it's love. It's that he wants them to know that they're loved because a lot of the women that are in this position, they're coming from poverty, they're coming from fatherless right. homes. They're coming from brokenness. That's right. They're coming from abuse, like all these situations. Human and trafficking. Human trafficking. I've sat with many women in that position, and they have never been told that they were loved. They have never felt loved. They have never felt valued. So it's very hard to expect them to value the life that's in them when wow. they themselves have never felt valued. And so mm -hmm. I think that... Um, working with these women, like God has really, really just changed my heart and the way that I see them and the way that um, even I, the way that I see myself, because I tell myself all the time, like, God, that could have been me. Like it, you know, like yeah. I'm not any different than them. Yeah. It could have been me. And um, so I have, a, I, I feel personally responsible because I, I think that if you're given to whom more is given, more is um, required. And so I feel this like responsibility. That's why we're so passionate. The sense that like I did grow up in a home where I felt loved. And so how do I, you know, reach these women who 
never felt loved. Right. So that, that leads to, to passion. It leads to righteous anger. Righteous anger is better when it leads to right, righteous action. What is the righteous action that, it, that, that Jesus followers need to take? Uh, what, what is our role as Jesus followers? Because this is not a one bill problem, this is not a one legislation problem, this is a systemic, across-the-board problem, a lack of love, a lack of the gospel everywhere. So what is our role as Jesus followers to bring the gospel to these people? Yeah, I think, I think it first starts with really acknowledging, and I know some of you might be wrestling with, like, when does life start? When does, when does you know, does it start with conception? Does it start here and there? But I think that is a question that we all need to answer as Bible-believing Christians. Go back to the Bible and say, okay, God, when does life start? Don't take our word for it, you know? Go home and read Psalm 139 and, and see, like, what, what God tells you about when life starts. Because I think that's a very, very important question. So that's first and foremost is to go home and get with God and say, God, what is my stance? Because that's going to change yeah. the way that you act. Not, what's, what, not what somebody else's stance is, not what you read, not what video you saw from Jesus, from the Bible. What is my stance? Sorry. Yep. You got me passionate. Go ahead. You, you, know, you continue. <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't mean to take it. <laughs> I took but, the baton. You weren't even giving me the baton. And I took it anyway. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think that's important. I think just a couple things to note that, um, you know, some of the misconceptions um, of, uh, you know, why some women are so, why people are so pro-choice is that because um, a fetus is not human life, but, you know, um, what's incredible is that the Bible, before we could prove science to be true, before there was ultrasound, before his technology, the Bible already told us that um, God thought of us in our mother's womb before we were born. So science has actually caught up with what the Bible has said. And um, back good. when Roe versus Wade came out, there were no um, ultrasounds. So you could not see a heartbeat at five and a half weeks. That's the earliest that you can see in modern technology. Right now, the earliest you can see life is at five and a half weeks. And I believe that as we um, advance in technology, we're going to see it earlier and earlier. So um, I think that's important to note. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, just go into, I mean, I could give you the Psalm 139 argument, but honestly, I think you just need to go home and read it for yourself yeah. and really ask God, like, what is my stance? Right. And this is also just like, how do you step in as a Jesus follower? Um, understanding that this is systemic. It's not a one sin problem. It's a it's a multiple sin problem all over the, the world. It's like for us, we got to step in and love people. That's, that's our role. So Fun Club is where you can, like our missional communities go on mission together. Uh, Fun Club is where immigrants, they, they can't even call the, the, for a doctor's appointment by themselves a lot of the time. So I, I literally had someone ask me, can you make, she's three, three months pregnant, can you make an appointment for me? That's what someone asked me, right? They, they can't. So if you step in and you disciple someone and you're around somebody, and you help them, that, that gives them choice, right? It gives them what, the, what not choice in, the, in a sense that we're using it today, but it, it, it helps them function in life. If you, if you show up at New City Kids, which our missional communities are doing now too, if you show up at New City Kids and you mentor someone, don't you think you're stepping in where, where maybe a father is missing? That's where you're stepping in. Like th these are all, these, these are wide-ranging problems that you can step in, you can disciple someone, love someone, and it changes things from the beginning, so you're not just sitting back and saying, this is my opinion, but you're saying, 
I love somebody, I'm discipling someone, I'm there for somebody, I'm there for them in their pain, I'm there for them in their loneliness and their brokenness, I'm there for them in, in, in all that, like this is where we come in. It's not with our voice, it's with our, with our actions and our love, and yes, and our voice follows later on. Yeah, and I just, you know, as I think about the heart of the issue is, um, I think the heart of the issue is that um, we have, we feel like we have this right to determine whose life is valuable, whose life is more valuable. And if we look historically, we have not been good at that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you look at humanity historically, where we have said that this color is better, or this kind is better, or this society is better, we have gotten into a lot of trouble. And mass genocides have happened, and people have um, suffered because of it. And so when I think of this abortion issue, it's the same thing. We are saying that your life is not as valuable if you have a disability. Your life is not as valuable if you, um, come, uh, if come my me. life mm-hmm. is, is, because my life is better than yours. And you know, the other, the other place I work is in the neonatal ICU. And um, you know, Justin mentioned that abortions are now legal up to, um, up to birth. And we, I think about what we do every day um, when we go to work, we resuscitate, we try our best doctors, you know, uh, social workers all try their best to keep these babies alive. And the only, they're the same ages as these babies being aborted. The only difference is that one baby is wanted and the other is not. So it makes me feel like, who are we to say that that baby is not wanted? And who are we to say that that baby's life is less valuable because they're not wanted by, you know, this movement? And I think of God's heart and to God, before we were created, it didn't matter what color we were. It didn't matter if we came from a a poor family, a rich family. Our value in his eyes, it's all the same. And so... You know, we have to ask our questions. Who, who are we to um, say that one life is more valuable than the other? And if we really believe that, then, yeah, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. What are we going to do when we see people that are vulnerable and when we see people that um, might not feel loved? Like, what are we going to do? That's good. Love you. You got anything else? I think that's all we have time for. Okay. All right. Can we get up for him, please? Thanks. Um, she will be here there will be three kids running around her after the service if you want to ask questions there will be three kids running around both of us Um, but she would love to talk to you on this topic and answer some questions for you some of you have questions and you want somebody who's just been in the field for a while um, and like uh, you know give her a break she's a a mother of three she works uh, through the night, so get, you know, be sensitive to that, but also she, I think she would love to talk to you and schedule a time to talk to you on this topic, so um, she's available, and clearly she has a lot of passion, um, and clearly she, she knows what she's talking about. Um, you know, I, I think what makes her, her so powerful on this is because she, um, she has a God gut. You know what a God gut is? Like, it's full of prayer, it's full of experience, and it's full of sitting with the broken. That, that's what a God gut is, and if you ever want to speak powerfully in any environment, many of you, you, you want to speak powerfully uh, in, in a one-on-one relationship, you want to speak powerfully from a stage, you want to speak powerfully in a small group, that's, that's a good goal to have. 
That's how you speak with power, the power of God. It comes from a God gut full of experience, uh, full, full of sitting with the broken, full of prayer. Like that's where, that's where God brings what's called anointing uh, and his power come, comes upon your lips. Okay, so that, that, that's for everybody in this room if you want to speak with power. And so if we could just get up for Ann one more time. Yeah. Uh, like we said, this is systemic. It's a nationwide problem that comes from a wide range of sin and brokenness. The answer is not one bill. It's not one legislation. It's not sitting online and judging people. It's not just posting a bunch of articles. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died and lo- died for and loves everyone on this planet. He does not want these women in these broken uh, environments. He does not want these men bouncing and leaving and leaving the woman to deal with it on her own. He wants a, a full range of discipleship across the board of Christians loving other people uh, of every creed, every color, every kind, and and that love being so powerful and so sacrificial and so vulnerable that people feel power to come out of it in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And again, a major win is what we call discipleship. 